Okay, we're going to start off this morning with a bit of a quiz for you. It's Ten Commandments quiz. See how well you know your Bible. Um, so I want you to tell me one of the Ten Commandments. Do not steal. Okay, do not steal. Which number is that, though, Jenna? Seven. It is not. It's number eight. If you want to go to eight, Dan. <laughs> you shall not steal. The Ten Commandments, you shall not steal, number eight. Anyone else want to give me a ten command, one of the Ten Commandments? Go on, Hannah. You shall not murder. What number is that? It's not number one. It's number six. It's quite important, but you shall not. It's not order. In, well, maybe they are order importance, but okay. It's number six. You shall not have no other gods before me. What number is that, John? Which which commandment? One. One. It is number one. Click on number one. There you go, Dan. You shall have no other gods before me. That is number one. Very good, Prachi. Anyone else? True. Do not take the Lord's name in vain. Um, and yes, which number is that? Three. Well done, Drew. You shall not take the name of the Lord you've got in vain, for the Lord will not hold him guiltless who takes his name in vain. Charity. You shall not cover. Do you know what number that is? It's nice. Number 10. Show cover. Well done. Martin. Oh, we'll come back in a moment. Martin. Keep the Sabbath. Do you know what number that is? No, it's number four. There's a long one. There's a lot of text there. It's the longest command. Um, Joe. Oh, John, sorry. Honour your father and your mother. It's the one that comes with a promise. Which number? Five. He's number five. Okay. Uh, we've got three left. Three left. Terry. You shall not steal. We've done that one. That isn't actually one of the Ten Commandments. No, it kind of the prelude. Um, Hannah. You shall not lie. Or it says... You shall not bear false witness against your neighbour. Which number? Number nine. Okay, two more. Do not commit adultery. Glad we got that one in. Number number seven. Yes. There's one more. One more. Maybe we should give a prize for this one. If it's number two, it's number two. If that helps. No idols. Well done, Drew. Well done. Give us a round of applause. Okay, so this is now this one's a rhetorical question. Um, so I don't want to be like, oh yeah, this one. Uh, are there any of the commandments that you find you commit you don't actually adhere to? So we had ten commandments, but are there actually any you don't adhere to? Um, well, good. So you do adhere to it by not covering your neighbours off. Dan's giving it away. The one I want to talk about is the Sabbath rest. Um, because out of those, I think often, you know, I don't normally think, or oh, shall I murder or shall I not murder? And those kind of things. Um, but actually, the Sabbath is one of the commandments that we struggle with, I think, more than others. And a few weeks ago, I spoke on the subject of work. And the flip side of that is rest, and it's the Sabbath. And so I wanted to go into this and talk about this a bit more now. I'm going to hopefully be working on this now. 
There we go. Okay, so you can stay there if you want. You don't, you're not needed anymore, Dan. You're, you're relieved. Thank you. He's like the able assistant on the quiz show. Um, so the Sabbath was given by God as one of the commandments. And so first of all, I wanted to address why the Sabbath was given. What problem, in a sense, um, was that trying to address? And um, as I was just reflecting on what I'm going to bring this morning, it's quite an involved subject. And I was thinking, oh, don't miss this bit out. Don't miss this bit out. And so I really pray this morning that I will say what needs to be said. But equally, if you have any questions following this, uh, then do come and ask me. If you're like, that didn't make much sense. Then do ask me, because um, there's a lot involved. Um, I think the problem that the Sabbath addresses, sayings like, there are not enough hours in the day. Has anyone ever said that? Have you ever felt that? You know, there's just too much. Um, and particularly when we think about the Sabbath as a day, you might say something like, I don't have time for a day off. Because one of the things we can't create more of is time. Like, I don't know if you've ever tried that. There are 24 hours in a day, seven days in a week, 365 days in a year. You can't change that, although we do have a leap year um, where we have an extra day. And so you can't create more time. Um, and I think because of this, it's interesting that we live in a society that I characterize with these kind of characteristics. There's a lot of stress. There's a lot of anxiety. There's a lot of mental illness. And ironically, we live in a culture that views itself as more superior, maybe. Like, we're evolved, we've, we've developed these things, we've developed technology, we've got all these wonderful things around us, um, yet our levels of stress, anxiety, and mental illness are higher than more basic cultures. And so there's something quite, not quite adding up. And I think these are some of the issues, not the only issues, but these are some of the key issues that the Sabbath addresses. So I want to talk about the, what is the Sabbath, what is the history of the Sabbath. Um, just to think about the word, it comes from the word Shabbat, which means to stop working. So Shabbat, to stop working. So it's quite easy, stop. Okay. And so, because we read about this in creation, that God worked for six days. Now it's interesting at the moment, we, in our culture, again, we're like, let's have a four-day working week. Whereas God actually said, you work for six days. Interesting. Um, there's a whole other thing on here about motivation and work. And actually, people will prosper when they work. But anyway. Um, and he rested on the seventh day. So God patterned that right at the beginning. He modeled that. And this is where we realize as well, the Sabbath is more than just about rest. Because if we believe in the, the wonderful sovereignty of God, God didn't, God didn't get to that seventh day and go, oh man, it's been a tough week. Um, and I need a break. God is eternal. He's powerful. He, he didn't do this because he needed a break. Um, there are other reasons that we'll kind of touch on as well. But actually, God was ordaining for us and modeling for us a pattern to follow because we are made in the image of God. That's all right. And so we are made in the image of God. And so God was showing his creation how it should live. Um, and then if we go further in history, so a law was given, the Ten Commandments, to force them to stop. Because sometimes, as anyone here, do you need to be forced to stop? 
Like some people are like, I need to be forced to get going. But then some of us might need to be forced to stop because we're just going, 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 never, never, never stopping. And so I think there came a point where God's like, the only way you're going to do this is if I make a law about it. Because, you know, we, we get given this, these kind of good advice. You need to take a break. You go, yeah, yeah, yeah. But you don't listen to it. And so this law was given in the Ten Commandments to force them to stop. But not only that, there were other laws that required um, other types of rest. And so in agriculture, obviously a lot of, uh, in Israel, they were agricultural, they would work the land and the cattle and all these things. And what God said that on the seventh year, the land was to be left to rest. So that meant if you were harvesting your wheat, you'd work the land for six years, and on the seventh year, you do nothing. You just let it grow. And like, we're talking about this in the councils recently. They're talking about like wild, letting things grow wild. Uh, and God, it's like, it was God's idea. Um, and we were letting the land rest. Because even if you think about that practically, and I'm no farmer, so this is not based on my great extensive knowledge on farming, but if you over-farm a land, all the nutrients in the soil go. And so there has to be a point where you allow the land to recover and to replenish itself, to be restored. And so there are these patterns that God is putting in. But he didn't just then say that. He also said on the 50th year, so if you think about the pattern, every seventh year it's resting. So that's, you get to the year 49. And then on the 50th year, which was the year of Jubilee, you get a bonus year of rest, where there was two years of doing nothing. And the idea, obviously, with that, that you'd, have, you'd store up sufficient to last you. You'd go and pick. There's a difference between farming and just picking to eat as well. Um, and so they would do that. And so God had this pattern. Now, because the children of Israel were pretty much just like us as well, they often ignored what God was saying. Um, and they ignored the Sabbath because they were like, well, we've got to keep working, we've got to keep going. Um, and... There came a point where they were taken into captivity. If you know the history of Israel, um, at one point they were taken into captivity. Um, and if you kind of look at all the dates and things like that, what you work out is for around, I think it is, I don't know how exact to the point this is, but for 490 years they ignored God's Sabbath. For 490 years they ignored God's Sabbath. And so they didn't let the land rest. They didn't obey what God was saying. Now, who can tell me how many years they were in captivity? What? 70, yes. So they ignored God's commandment for 490 years, and then God said, well, I think I'm going to make the land rest because you're not listening to me. And so sometimes as well, when we think about these things, God can enforce these things in our lives. Um, and there are times where people don't stop and then suddenly they have to stop because something happens. Now, this is not what God intended. God intended for a rhythm and a pattern that we follow um, and that would lead us into life. Okay, so, and this is the point. Why did he give Israel the Sabbath? I think there are a few different things and probably things I haven't even noticed. Um, one is to give them a gift to bring life. And although we talk about this as a law, it's not, a, in a sense, a law it's a gift. And we often think of these rules and responsibilities, obligations, but actually it's a gift that brings life. 
It was also to show Israel that they could trust God. Because often when we're at work in this way, we're thinking, I need to work, otherwise everything's going to fall apart. And God was showing, no, actually, you can trust me and my ways. I think it was interesting as well that God, when the Ten, the ten Commandments were given, they had just been brought out of slavery. So they had been in captivity in Egypt for a long period of time, like hundreds of years, and they were coming out. Now, when they were in slavery in Egypt, their Egyptian rulers weren't like, okay, we'll let you abide by the Sabbath, we'll respect your customs. No, they were getting their pound of flesh, they were making them work. And so for much of that time, because they were slaves, they didn't have the opportunity to follow God in this way. But now God had brought them out of slavery, was bringing them into the promised land, into freedom, and was saying, now's the time to re-establish my pattern, my will for your lives. And I think there's such a wonderful picture in that. I don't want to go into it too much, but God is bringing us, you know, it's not for slaves, it's for free people. I'll let you apply that. The Sabbath for them was a time to focus on God, to set time apart as consecrated, holy. It's a holy day. And I read this brilliant quote. It said, The Sabbath was so God and his people could rest in their relationship. And so you work for six days, and on the seventh day you rest. Now, for them as well, the Sabbath was the started on Friday night at six o'clock and go through to Saturday night at 6. So that is when the Sabbath would be as well. So what happened then when Jesus came along? Now, first of all, I think it's really important to realise Jesus kept the Sabbath. We often think of Jesus as, you know, he's a crazy maverick, rule breaker, he'll go around doing all this stuff. But yet Jesus kept the Sabbath. He went to the synagogue and he obeyed the Sabbath because he knew it was what God wanted. But also Jesus came to restore the Sabbath. Because famously Jesus said, the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. The Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. And this, what this represents is, we can get things the wrong way round. And this was the problem that Jesus came into, that he, they had made it more about the rule than about the blessing. It was like, right, the thing that is most important is that we obey this, even if it becomes a negative thing in our lives. And Jesus was like, you've missed the point. This was actually a gift given to you so that you can flourish, so you can prosper. And almost the point that you have to say with these things, if it's not doing that, then we're doing it wrong. And so he came to restore to do that. He came, we also must remember, Jesus came to fulfill, not abolish the law. Because often as Christians, and you might hear this, well that's Old Testament stuff. That's Old Testament stuff, that doesn't apply to us. Now there are some things in the Old Testament that were specifically for Israel uh, that don't apply to us. But some, um, and I believe this is one of the things, it still applies to us. I believe it still applies to us. And so he came to fulfill the law and uh, not abolish it. Because what it also said is, Jesus said, he said the law, the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. 
for the Son of Man is Lord even of the Sabbath. Which again, they didn't like that because suddenly Jesus was saying, look, I'm the Lord of the Sabbath. Because they had elevated this rule above everything else. They'd elevated a rule above God almost even. And Jesus said, no, I am the Lord of the Sabbath. I am above the Sabbath. And in me, it's all fulfilled. And this is the thing that Jesus came to restore. Part of the whole purpose of Jesus' coming was to restore humanity back to the purposes of God. And so where Jesus was saying, I am Lord of the Sabbath, he's saying, if you come and follow me, you come back into the rest of God. You come back into this place of relationship. To follow him is to then obey him and do what he did. Um, And it says to walk as he walked. So we follow Jesus and we walk as he walked. But Jesus came to restore the rhythms of creation because what man does through sin is we walk out of step with God and we ignore the principles that God has built into life, into, into, the, into creation, and we try and manipulate things. We think we know better. But God's saying, no, I created you. I know how you work, how you flourish, and therefore I've given you these things. So after Jesus, just a little update on how things changed. Um, So the early Christians continued to keep the Sabbath. So we see in the book of Acts, they would still go to the synagogue. Paul would observe the Sabbath. So it wasn't like the moment Jesus ascended to heaven, they went, great, kick that one out. We're going to do things differently now. No, they continued to observe the Sabbath, which, remember, was Friday evening to Saturday evening. But what they also then began to do, they began to meet on Sundays because Sunday for them was the first day of the week. But because everything in society had been set up for the Sabbath, they were like, well, when do we meet as Christians? So just in the same way maybe that we meet in our community groups and home groups, they were like, well, let's also, we'll meet on the Monday, uh, Sunday rather. It's probably Sunday evening because they were at work during the day or something like that. And this became a pattern. Now, obviously, That was while it was in this kind of Jewish context. But as we know, the church grew and got into different contexts, uh, pagan, Greek, all these different things. But we also, uh, if you know your history, you know how um, gradually the Roman Empire kind of adopted Christianity. And this is your bit of history. In 321 AD, Emperor Constantine declared Sunday a public holiday. Now again, think of the word holiday, It's a holy day. That's what he was doing. He was saying, Sunday is a holy day. So again, he was legislating the rest for the people. And that's how, for us as a church, because, again, people say, because of the resurrection of Jesus on a Sunday, because when the Holy Spirit came on a Sunday, this was, again, people say, this is why we meet on a Sunday rather than on a Saturday. And you'll be aware that some churches do meet on a, a Saturday, Um, But I'll be honest, as I was looking into this, I was listening to one uh, sermon on it, and this guy basically said, as a Christian, if you don't meet on a Saturday, you're not a Christian. And I was like, you've missed... And this is the thing, we can miss the point of what Jesus is saying, of what the law was about, because we make it about a law, we make it about rules, and not about the intention of it. Um... And so this is, but this is how we get to where we are today. 
So why does God give us the Sabbath? So this is why he gave Israel the Sabbath. But actually, so why is it still relevant to us today? For one, I think it's an antidote to our busyness. Does anyone feel busy? It's always the the joke at work, and I feel really guilty about this because I don't do it. Uh, You're like, oh, how, how are you? Busy. Busy. And people are actually afraid at work that if you don't say busy, then it means they'll lose their job or something like that. But I'm like, yeah, it's all right. I'm quite, quite relaxed, actually. Um, it's like Jesus is working too well in my life. Um, but he's an antidote to our busyness because busyness is because we've stepped out of the rhythms of God. Now, we are busy, and that's fine, but we also need to rest. The Sabbath also reveals our finiteness and limitations. So it's, it reveals something about us to, to ourselves and to the world around us. Because there has to come a point in your life where you realize, I can't do it all. And this is where you go back to that saying of there's not enough hours in the day. If you try and do everything in life, there are not enough hours in the day. You have to realize you cannot do everything in life. You are limited. You are finite. You have only so many years to live. You have only so many hours to give. And we reach that point where we say, I can't do it all. But what that also then goes on to say is, I know the one who can. It shows who we are, which is children of God. Because again, this is something God has said. And so if you, if you agree to follow God, what you're agreeing to is to say, I am a child of God. So you declare, through keeping a Sabbath, I declare that I'm a child of God. But I declare also that I trust him. Something I missed out, actually, that I think is worth saying. The children of Israel, when they came out of Egypt, they were wandering in the desert for 40 years. Now, and at one point, as people do, they grumbled, obviously. And God gave them manna. Does anyone remember the story? And this thing would fall down, and it was, it was called manna, because I think manna means, what is it? That's what manna means, what is it? Because they looked at this stuff, and it was like, now, I don't know about you, about going and picking out your food from the floor every morning, um, but that's what they did. And it was this kind of, uh, I can't remember what it is, but it's the thing, and they, just like, um, they found 101 ways to cook with manna, just to make it a bit more interesting. Um, it's, I'm sure there's a recipe book somewhere. Um, but God also said to them, every morning you'll come out and manna will be on the floor. So go in and take enough for the day. So they went out, they took enough for the day. He said, if you take too much, by the next day it will rot and it will go bad. So obviously human nature, we always experience this the wrong way because someone thinks, well, I'm not sure about tomorrow because it's here today, I'm going to take double just in case. That's how we think. And so they would do that, and they would find out exactly what God said. It would rot the next day. So they would go out, take their manna each morning. Now, what he said is, on the sixth day, take double. Because on the seventh day is the Sabbath. Now, you logically, again, we think, wait a minute, I tried this on day one, and when I took too much for two days, it went rotten. So why would the stuff that I take on the sixth day not go rotten? The only answer is, because God said so. And so there are dynamics in the world that are physical and spiritual and are being held together by God. 
and they work together. And so we must realize that when we are doing this, we are putting our trust in God. Because there's that part of you that thinks, well, surely if I work an extra day, I get an extra day's money. Surely that makes sense. And there are these spiritual principles, like, and we think about things like giving in the church. Surely if I don't give, then I'll have more money. But there's a spiritual principle that says, actually, if you give, you receive more. And there are these principles in God that we need to realize. And that's why it says about coming in line. I think another reason that God gives us the Sabbath is a time to reflect. It's interesting, in my job, we roll out a lot of products and and initiatives and schemes and all this stuff. And one of the things I really realize is we don't take time to reflect on what we've done. Because we're so busy, we're like, on to the next thing, on to the next thing, on to the next thing. And we don't actually sit back and go, did that work? Well, how's it going? And so, and there's a real detriment to productivity. And I think there's something really important that we need to do in our lives is to reflect on things. And so just again, picture that, that you've got a time, you've got a day in your week where you can sit back and go, how's it gone? Did that work? How am I doing this? And to think... And, and so often, it's headspace we need. It's not just about physical strength. There is something about physical strength. But there's also mental rest that we need to slow down, to stop, and to give space to think. And this is the thing, as I was saying, the practical impacts the spiritual. So it can be a very practical thing we're talking about, but there's a spiritual impact. And I read this quote from J. John. It said... It, this is my paraphrase of it, ignoring the rhythms of God can produce negative results. Ignoring the rhythms of God. And I think this is so important, I put it in bold. That's how important it is. Um, Think about it in life. There are rhythms, and we talk about things like burning the candle at both ends. And we realise that, that there's hours we need to work, to rest, to sleep, and if we move outside of those patterns too much, now some people can be like, yeah, I can, I can exist on six hours. And I remember like reading about like prime ministers and they're like, oh yeah, we sleep on four hours. And that's why they look so disheveled. And after about two years in office, they're like, um, I, I was thinking about this. I was thinking, what would you do if you were the prime minister and had to take a Sabbath? Be like, guys, I'm out this day. Anyway, I think God would bless it. Um, but yeah, we burn the candle at both ends. We need sleep. I know, I, if I don't get eight hours sleep, I'm just like, I begin to be not very efficient. Um, and there are so many things in nature. Again, the rules of nature, the rhythms of God. Um, gravity, for example, if we try and ignore it to our peril. Um, there's just so many things that God has hardwired into creation, into us as people, that are so important. And if we ignore them, there are negative results. And this is why I go back to what I said at the beginning. When we look at um, anxiety, when we look at stress, mental illness, I believe these are symptoms of where we have stepped out of the will and purpose of God. And why I think we as a society, particularly, on, on the top level, we should have it all together. You know, it should all be perfect, but yet as we have moved further and further away from God and his purposes and his plans, we're experiencing more and more of these things. 
So, how can we practice the Sabbath? I think a couple of things to remember. One is, it's a day of delight and a gift from God. Because again, you're like, right, I'll practice the Sabbath, get my rule book out, get my checklist off. The whole idea is that it's a gift, a day of delight. Um, I think it's also important, I touched on this before, is that we realise it's about the, the concept rather than the rules. Because again, think about how Jesus talked about do not murder. Because again, they're like, right, I've done all the rules, this should apply. And he's like, no, no, if you hate someone in your heart, it's like murdering them. Or it's about adultery. If you lust after someone in your heart, it's like committing adultery with them. He was saying, look, the rules are there, but don't just tick the box to say, kind of, I've got by and I've observed that, and I'm in the boundaries. But gather the heart of it, because, again, if you're going around and you're saying, well, I haven't murdered everyone, but you're just full of hatred and bitterness, it's like, well, you've kind of missed the point. And you're not getting the life out of what God intended. Um, so, again, it's more about the, the principles and the attitude rather than about the rules. I think the first one, again, I took these from J. John, actually, um, although they're my applications. One is to guard your Sabbath. And this is the point. To do this, you need to be intentional. Um, and I've been trying to kind of build, like, this, I'm standing here today not as someone who's perfected this. I've not yet attained it, as Paul said. But I strive, I'm working towards it and working it through because you realise there's lots of things that come against it. There's practices, there's the world, there's your friends, there's just things that come up. One of the key things, I was like, God, how do I... Um, preach on a Sunday while keeping a Sabbath. And so one of the things I thought about is, Daniel, make sure your sermon is finished before Saturday evening. That did not happen. Um, <laughs> I did these slides this morning. Um, but again, so you're learning, and you've got to learn and grow and realise, again, to be honest, me doing these slides wasn't, I didn't feel, didn't feel like it was work. And also we see that with Jesus, that Jesus came and he did things like heal. So again, we're not like, oh, I can't do that possibly, it's the Sabbath. Um, no, he did what was good. He also did what brought him joy and life. And so, but you've got to guard your Sabbath. You've got to be intentional and proactive. So again, I'm thinking, okay, ideally what I need to do, I need to make sure all my shopping's done on Saturday rather than going shopping on Sunday. Because again, scrambling around, I don't know about you, scrambling around for things for lunch, yeah? <laughs> it's, like, it's like, you've got to think in advance to plan it. Because again, it says six days you should work. And say, okay, well I'll do that, and I'll do that on the sixth day so that I rest on the seventh. So guarding your Sabbath. Be refreshed. It's a day of refreshing what refreshes you? Now, what refreshes you is going to be very different than what refreshes me. Um, and so I was thinking about it the other day, like, because I've been reading a lot of different people's accounts, what they do, things like that. And I know at some point in my past, going for a run was refreshing. I was at a certain level of fitness that I'm no longer at. Like, going for a run for me now is like, like I might die. Um, but I was at the point where it's like, I'm going to go for a run, and it's fun, and I feel refreshed. You know those people? 
um, who really annoy you. Um, but again, if, you, if you've built up fitness, for example, I remember that in swimming as well. I got to the point where I was like, I can just swim. And I'm fine. And, but it took a long time to get there. So on the Sabbath, it could be for me, if I was in that pre-fit state, that going for a run or going swimming would be really refreshing. Now, it could be just go, I'm going to go swimming, or I'm going to go to the gym, and then you go and sit in the hot tub. You know, that kind of gym visit. Um, <laughs> but it might be to read a book. It might be to watch a film. But then equally, it might be, actually, I need to turn off that thing. I've got to say no to that thing. Because the question here is, what do I need to stop? And there are things that you might need to stop that another person might be fine with. Um, I think the other thing, just think about with guarding your Sabbath, there are things, there are boundaries you need to put in place. And it might be things like, I'm not going to check my work emails. I'm not going to, I don't know. And, and there are little things like that that you say, I've got to do this to protect my time. And they're not rules, it's wisdom. You know, there's a, there's a fine line sometimes, but you create your own boundaries. Next thing is have freedom. This is what I'm saying about, it's not about the rules. Because if it becomes a burden to you, then you're not doing it right. It's about have freedom to enjoy it, to do it. Enjoy others. One of the real things I talked to Joe about this, I, I want to do, is I want to find a family, someone who does what they call a Shabbat meal. And so when you look at Jewish people, on, a, on the Friday evening, they'll gather and they'll have a meal. Now, if you watch The Chosen, they, you can see that in The Chosen. And, I've been, and I think that's where it probably sparked that idea from. I'm like, that looks nice. Because when we, I don't know about you, for me, often when we have meals, like particularly with the kids, it's done and dusted in 15 minutes. It's like, whereas, have you ever been to one of those meals that takes about three hours? And you're just having courses and you're having a glass of wine or whatever it might be, and you can have wine on the Sabbath. Um, but again, that kind of, let's take time over this. And I, I remember someone saying, he's like, part of his whole Sabbath practice is take time, slow down. So if he goes on the drive, I'm going to drive on the slow lane. I'm going to drive well within the speed limit. That kind of thing, just how do I slow myself down? Um, but enjoy others, bring people into that. It's, now, depending on who you are, you might be like, that sounds horrendous and not restful whatsoever. But even think about how you're doing it. Because one of the uh, kind of similarities someone likened it to was like Christmas Day. Think about your Christmas Day, because you plan that, don't you? Most people do. And they think, okay, what do I want? I want some really nice food. I want this, this, and this. And I want these people there. And, and what we're going to do, and you, have you ever done that, where you've created a day that is just like, this is going to be the best day ever. We're going to have this for breakfast, and then we're going to go out for a nice walk, and then we're going to do that now. And it's that idea of, how do I create something that is going to be brilliant? And... And even, I think this is, again, maybe speaking to Christmas Day, six months in advance, but have you ever had those Christmas days, you're like, this is not relaxing, this is as stressful as anything, because I've got three meats on the go, ten vegetables, um, I've got to do this, that, and the other, nothing fits in the oven. It's like, again, draw it back. Even Christmas Day is a holy day. Simplify to make it enjoyable rather than stressful. There you go, speaking to that. But most importantly as well, enjoy God. 
Because actually, you look around you, and as I was walking down this morning, I saw a family of about six. I think it was out for their family bike ride. And so part of me is like, they've got the idea of Sabbath. It's like, let's go out for a nice, it's a lovely day. Let's go out for a bike ride. And I think people in our culture do kind of get this. They're like, you know, I go and get the paper in the morning, if you still do that. There are people who still do that. Um, they go and get their paper, they go and sit down, they read the paper, and they'll spend hours reading the paper. Have a cup of coffee, do that, and then they go for a walk down to maybe the pub for lunch, whatever it might be. But what they miss is in the delighting in the Lord. And I think, again, if we miss this aspect out of our day, then it won't be what God intended it to be. Because actually, if Jesus is Lord of the Sabbath, if we take the Lord out of it, then we don't get it. And so this is, again, why do we come here? It is to enjoy God together, enjoy God's people. Now, I think, I'll be honest, and maybe this thing we need to reflect on is, how do we do this in a way that isn't stressful, isn't just like, because again, now maybe if you're like, it's not stressful for me, well, maybe you need to help to make it less stressful for someone else, um, because it can be a lot of work, and it's great having people come and people sign up to do the chairs and things like that, because actually, we look at how many people are in this room, and if everyone chips in, then it's not stressful. It's actually really nice. Um, and so there's part of that in to enjoy God together, to come and just delight in the Lord. And even to think about that in your other rests, in Christmas, in holidays, things like that. Because holidays are a type of Sabbath. They're an extended Sabbath. And we look back at the patterns of God, and God would... You know, we think God, people think God is boring. God orchestrated parties. He's like, there is going to be a party and you will take five days off and enjoy yourself and eat and drink and have good fun. It's like, all right, if I must. Um, and so they did that. Now, and so God, that's what God's about. He's like, come together and enjoy each other. Enjoy me, be in my presence and delight in me. And so again, we all delight in God in different ways but delighting in God. And the last one here is stand up for the right to rest. And what I mean by that is we have to fight for it. Now, I know there are people here um, who have gone for jobs and they've said, we've got to work Sunday. And I know people who have said, I'm not going to do that. And the real fear in that is, I'm not going to get the job. But again, I know testimony of people who have said that and got the job, still. But what they have also done is they have set down their marker to say, this is who I am, this is what I believe in, this is what I will and won't do. And they've set out their stall. And I believe, fundamentally, God honours that. Now, I'm not saying you can never work on a Sunday because sometimes there are jobs out there where we have to do it. You know, shift working, doctors and all that kind of thing. So there are times it might have to happen, but stand up for your right, but also for the right of others. Support others by not, and this is what I'm saying about actually if we all work together, we support others in their rest as well. Whereas if we just put all it on one person, then that's not going to be good. So standing up for the right to rest is really important. I hope in a sense you've captured the heart of what this is about. 
because the reality is, and this is, oh, I don't know where this was supposed to fit in. I was just like, Lord, is there anything I've missed? But there's some, probably lots, but there's also a point, and like, I know the youth have gone out, but I always think this, I remember this as a youth worker trying to get this through to our youth in exam times. It's like, the reality is your productivity goes down if you don't rest. Because you might think, well, I've got to keep working, I've got this job to do. But actually, your productivity levels diminish if you don't rest. Whereas actually, if you take a break and rest properly, your productivity then spikes again. And, you, and so actually, you are better off taking a rest in your terms of your productivity. That just came to mind. Because, again, this is God. God is saying, this is how I made you. This is how I, I wired you to do this, to stop, to reflect on me, to rest in me, to come to me. And this is where you flourish. What this might look like will be different for all of you, you know. Um, and so I encourage you to go and have a think and say, God, what might this look like to me? And I'm really te- there's a part of me that's really tempted to be like, you know, it's optional. But I, to be honest, I don't think it is optional. I don't think it is optional. Now, it might be for you to say, well, actually, Sunday is not my Sabbath day. Because we're not, I don't think we're quite there as a church, but there are some churches, for example, who they're like, well, I get there at eight in the morning to set up and I'll do five services and then blah. And that's, like, that's not a Sabbath rest. So in that case, you'd take a different day. And if that's what it might be for you, then that's fine. But I encourage you to think about it and think, how do I build this in? And it might be one of these things you say, okay, I'm going to put Daniel to the test here, or God to the test, one or the other. Um, And actually, I'm going to do this for a month or two months. Really try and do it well. See how it goes. See how I feel. Because again, I believe that there's a spiritual principle here that God wants us to understand and to follow, um, to do that. And learn. Don't be like, well, I failed there. and Give up. Be like, okay, reflect on, how, on that day. How did it go? How can I do it better? How can I do it differently? Um, yeah. So, in a sense, that's what I want to leave you with in terms of encouragement, exhortation to consider. If you do want to talk about it then, or have any questions of things I might have missaid, left out, whatever it might be, then do come and speak to me. Um, the one thing I just also want to finish with, and I don't really want this to be the focus, but I want to share with you my personal application of this, is um, there's another thing that comes connected with Sabbath. That I don't know if you've heard the word sabbatical. Um, and it's, a, it's, again, it's a same concept, whereas it's taking time out to rest, to reflect, to draw close to God, um, and God's been putting on my heart to do that for a while. Um, and so I'm going to be taking a sabbatical rest, which isn't just a jolly holiday, although some of it will include a jolly holiday, um, between, uh, from the, the end of this month, so beginning of July till the end of August, um, which basically means that I'm not going to be here. Um, I know, aw. Um, oh, yay. Um, <laughs> So, but in that time, it's a time to, for me to rest. Um, again, personally, I realise that the past three, four years have been phenomenally busy. 
And we have to recognize our limitations and our finiteness and say, I cannot keep going at this, in this way. And therefore, we stop, we rest, we replenish, and we come back, hopefully, <laughs> strong, this is the, the theory, come back stronger, more clued in, more focused, whatever it might be. Um, and the other thing, again, key for me is reflection. Because, again, often, particularly within church leadership, you are constantly going, and when you're so close to something, you can't see it. And like John was saying, I think God is doing something, and there has to be a point where we can almost step away to see what is happening and our involvement in it. Um, And so this idea of sabbatical is something that um, generally is is applied for church leaders. Um, So it doesn't mean everyone... Everyone's like, I'm having, my, one of my sons did say I'm having a sabbatical as well. Um, but I was like, well, when, you, when you've been in church leadership for a few years. Um, but there's part of me, I do encourage you to even consider that. Now, again, equally as a church leader, I don't want everyone to be like, I'm on sabbatical this week. I'm having a rest this week. Because there is a point that we come together and we maintain that. But there is a point as well where we have to say, I need time out. I need to rest. I need to refocus. I need to come back to God um, and things like that. So, as I say, I'm, I'm going to be doing this um, at the end, from the end of this month. Um, and the gutting thing is that already there are things like, oh, I'm going to miss that. I'm going to miss this. And it's gutting. But God, your Sabbath. You have to, otherwise it won't work. That's part of the thing. So, um, yeah, I will be at MLG though. <laughs> that's, that's not rest. But um, it can be. So, again, if you've got any questions about that, do come and ask me. I'll be happy to kind of share any of my other thoughts around that, um, kind of the implications of it as well. Um, but otherwise, let's, let's pray. Lord. Lord, I just thank you that we come to an amazing sovereign God who is overall, who is in all and you see us, you know us Lord and Lord you gave us this pattern of of rest and work and rest because you know what actually makes us tick, you know how we think and what our needs are and I pray that the, the reality and the truth of this will just Minister into our hearts, Lord, and we won't see this as a, as a rule to keep, but as a gift to enjoy. Lord, and I pray that as, if you've put in our heart, as we seek to honour you in this over the coming weeks, months, years, Lord, that it would, that you just give us wisdom, give us boldness to make change, to do things differently, to put you first and to follow your ways to walk as you walked Lord we just ask that you lead us Lord as individuals and as a church that we might honour you Lord and be a blessing to you Lord and to be fruitful as well Lord Amen I do just encourage you, one last encouragement is, uh, I know someone said, 
discovering this is like discovering a new continent. That's what their experience of this is. Now, I'm not there yet. Um, but this I was just in my heart as I prayed that about years. You know, it could be that in years' time we're like, how did I ever not do this? Um, so, amen. Amen. Thank you, Daniel. Um, we've run out of time, so I just want to say that I've encouraged Daniel to do that. Um, it wasn't my idea, but when he said it, I said amen. And I think it'd be good to encourage him in that. And part of that encouragement is to, um, to 